welcome everyone to, this is going to be episode 14 of the Fly Guys podcast. We will have the lost episode that will never be recovered. Justin Goodart and talking through the mic is Cameron Klein on the other side of Bucks County. Or yeah, it's Bucks County, right? You're in Bucks County. Yeah, I don't think I'm on the other side of it. We're uh, Bucks County's pretty big. Me and you, I would say, are on the same relative side. I know one part of Bucks County, Cameron. Well, me too, which is which is my part. Yeah. (laughs) I it's it in my opinion, Bucks County starts at 2060. Oh, I shouldn't say my. (laughs) I should not say my. Yeah, probably not. Bucks. Bucks County starts in Ben Salem and ends at your house. Okay, that's right. yeah. that's my that's my uh, view of, of Bucks County. It goes way beyond that, <laughs> like a lot. Uh, yeah. that's, you know, there's like the, like Warminster might be a place. You know, that's that's what I've been told. Yeah, I don't know what's in it. I just know that it goes beyond beyond that. Yeah. Uh, the hospital that I was born in is like the only thing that uh, that was born in it. Oh. Or ugh, I really messed up that. But the point is, is that we are back for another episode of Fly Guys podcast. There's a lot going on in the world, namely everything's closed, so really <laughs> nothing's going on. Um, we did do an episode a couple days ago that, unfortunately, just due to some technical issues, it'll be it is unknown if that episode will ever be put out mm-hmm. there. It was a good episode though. I, I had fun talking about money. Yeah, I did too. Like like most of our episodes, we were we kind of. I mean, well, this one was different because again, this is the first time we did this, so we had some technical difficulties to begin with, and then once oh, yeah. we got it started, we were both kind of like stumbling a little bit because we didn't really know what to talk about with no hockey but once we got no hockey i I thought it was great yeah i think it worked it worked great we i thought we had a good conversation but you know it is what it is every time i feel like you know i'm starting to get the hang of audio and then boom we just completely lose an episode (laughs) there's an old there's an old saying when it comes to uh tech work you know it's not tech crew it's not tech work until something goes wrong so you yeah, know, it's 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 pretty it's pretty normal mm-hmm. for me to to go through all that. But you know, we come into today. Uh, there's a lot in the sports world that's happened. Not as much in hockey. There there's some talk in hockey going on, like the potential for a 24 playoff format, 12 teams per conference, uh, a play-in round. Uh, the NBA is talking about you know coming back and being in you know essentially like a bubble city. MLB seems to be feel like like the Phillies announced that they will not be furloughing or laying off any of their full-time employees because they believe that there's going to be a season soon. And the NFL, they're saying that they're going to go, like, they expect to have a full season, which was one of the most encouraging pieces of news I've heard in a while. Yeah. And um, they were, schedules were released last night. I don't know how people feel. I don't know how you feel about the Dolphins' schedule. You know, with- it's, it's tough, man. It's, it's really tough. I mean, I, I've heard some analysts are putting it in the top three in terms of, of toughest schedules in the, in the league. I mean, we're playing against the NFC West, which is it's just a tough division. I mean, it's San Francisco. They were in the Super Bowl last year playing in Seattle with Russell Wilson. It, it's going to be tough. But I'm, I'm still excited, though. We're, we're up for the challenge, and we've improved a lot from last year. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how much those improvements really will affect the team. I think this is going to be a telling year for the Dolphins, mainly because there's so much optimism surrounding Brian Flores. And I really can't remember the last time the Dolphins had a head coach where there was a lot of optimism and and, and just this much hope put into. I mean, Adam Gase was a guy that they hired who there was hope initially, but that hope died pretty damn quickly. Yeah, there was, it, it was, his was like a, uh, I would describe him as a facade Brian Flores, right? So like Brian Flores is a culture-minded coach, a lot like Brian, uh, Brian, I almost called him Brian Belichick, a lot like Bill Belichick, um, where if you're not a part of the culture, if you're not going to, if you're not going to invest into the system, both mentally and physically, then you're out. You're gone. 
And Brian Flores is like that, and I think Adam Gase is also like that. The problem is is that Adam Gase doesn't really seem to have players actually invest into his culture. It's more of like a thing of if you don't do what he wants you to do, then you're gone. Uh, prime example. Well, who does that who, who does that remind you of? I'm not sure. Sure, remind you're referring to. Chip Kelly. Oh, yeah. Sure, remind yeah. you of Chip yes, Kelly. Yes, exactly. I mean, Adam Gase is is a Miami Dolphins Chip Kelly essentially. I mean, the fact that he did what he did to Jarvis Landry really, really irked me as as a Jarvis Landry fan because Jarvis Landry was the a bright spot for the Miami Dolphins for a really long time. I mean, that guy was one of the best receivers we've ever had, if not the best. And I shouldn't say the best, but he was one of the best receivers we had. And for him to trade Jarvis Landry away for a fourth-round pick when he could have just let him go to free agency and have gotten a third-round pick really, really, really just put a sour taste in my mouth with Adam Gase. I wasn't... I really was not sure at the time what Gase thought he was accomplishing by making that trade, knowing that Jarvis Landry's going to command big money. You're going to get a good third comp-round pick. Heck... You know, Odell Beckham was traded the next year for, a, I believe, a first and a third. So the fact that you couldn't even get so much as a third-round pick for what is essentially just like a slightly less better version of Odell Beckham is insanity to me. It, I also I also want to point something out. Last night I was watching an old Eagles game, 2003 Dolphins-Eagles game was play, played at, at Pro Player Stadium. Starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins was Jay Fiedler. Which I, I I love that I just love that I met him yeah he was he was an awesome guy oh oh you you met yeah him? okay yeah because he he used to be in Philadelphia as well yeah, largest head I've ever seen and- man it's, it was it was <laughs> insane I was I must have been six years old it was my first ever Dolphins game they were playing against the New York Giants um, so we drove to it I was super excited and, and I met him um, at at his hotel actually and he was extru- he was really really nice I remember that he was a really nice really cool guy but I just could not take away that he had. I was six years old, so to me, he had like an alien mega mind head. It was it was insane, but he was an awesome guy. It's funny because when I was looking at his helmet during the game, I'm like this helmet's too big for this guy's head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's um, too small. You know, I I was I was watching, so I'm watching the game, and Chris Chambers is making plays all over the field, and then Ricky Williams oh. is making plays all over the field, and I and I then go back and I'm like, you know, how good was Ricky Williams? And I go back and I'm looking at his stats and. I had also watched his his uh, NFL Life documentary. That was like it's almost insane now how much we forget how great Ricky Williams was, and he just he he couldn't you know stay off the the weed to to quote Stephen A. Smith, and ultimately I just don't think he really cared too enough about football to make it really work, but. Man, two thousand two and two thousand three, Ricky Williams. What he was the Miami Dolphins. Oh There's yeah, no other way around there, it. there is no other way around it, and he's a guy I met too. Um, and again, he was, he was, he's, he's very public now about his, his problems with anxiety. And you could, you could tell it even back then, even me as a little kid, I actually, believe it or not, I was in an elevator with him. Um, it was me, my father and my brother. And he was, it was, it was just us three and just him. And my, I, I, my father actually asked him for, for an autograph for us. And he said no. And he didn't. At the time, it wasn't a mean no. It was really interesting because, like, I I was a young kid. Again, when you're six, seven years old, and somebody tells you no, you immediately think it's 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 with bad intentions. It's because they're mad at you or whatever. Something something stupid and ridiculous. But even at that age, I could tell just from the way I don't know if it was his body language or, or just an aura that he was giving off that it wasn't 
an angry no. It, it was an incapable no. It was a fact that he he was anxious. He he didn't want to be around people. He didn't like people looking at him. He that's why he wore the helmet. He wore the helmet all the time. He would wear the helmet. I mean, during the, the helmet aspect. It's the most interesting aspect that I've ever seen about a player when it comes to interviews. And and, and I and I grew up in a city like Philadelphia where interviews and players have sometimes blown extremely out of proportion. Oh, yeah. But. Um, no, I just, you know, I was watching the game, and I just see this, like, Ricky Williams, he's taking off. Like, he's he's laying the lumber. He's taking hits from Brian Dawkins and hit, hopping right back up. And uh, I'm also watching Jason Taylor and Junior Seau on the same defense. It is unbelievable that the 2003 Dolphins did not make the playoffs. Yeah. It is it is unreal how they could miss the playoffs. It was a mixture of bad quarterback play, um, not the greatest offensive line, and, and coaching. The, the coaching has not been... Re- Honestly, the coaching has not been good since Don Shula. And yeah, you know that is something I'm I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him. I mean, I it's our first episode yeah. since the great Don Shula passed away. Um, you know what a what a guy, what a what a great head coach. And you are right. I, you know, even when after they hired Jimmy Johnson, it didn't really work out with yeah. him. Jimmy- and Dave Wanstead was just he was a nobody. Nick Saban was a disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the the coaches and coaches that they've gone through, and it just hasn't worked yeah. out. Uh, that's the thing. A lot of people, when they look at the Miami Dolphins, they say that a lot of their problems come from the quarterback position. They haven't had a good quarterback since Dan Marino. And that argument, you, you can make that argument. I'd argue that Ryan Tannehill was a good quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. I'd argue that he was better. He, he's had better years numbers-wise with the Miami Dolphins than he did with the Tennessee Titans this season. Um, I And I think uh, that is a prime example of the fact that it's more of the coaching has never been good since Marino. The coaching, even at the end of, of Marino's tenure, he didn't play that well because Jimmy Johnson didn't allow him to use his audibles, just didn't coach him well, didn't know how to use him. And So I just think that that's, that's really where the problem has always been. And I think Ryan Tannehill is a prime example of that because I think if he had a good coach that knew how to run the ball properly, he would have a lot more success in Miami, and unfortunately, he didn't. Sometimes I wonder, you know, like, oh, if this if this player had this coach, or if this coach had this player, you know, how much how different things would be. I I, I often think, you know, what Sean McVay could do with Carson Wentz, oh. and or 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 better yet, here's here's a better one for yeah. you: what Aaron Rodgers could do with a better head coach. Because I, I, you know, I liked Mike McCarthy for a long time, but I thought he assassinated his own legacy with the way that things had gone between them yeah. winning the Super Bowl and just how they were always there to win one, and just for some mm. crap reason they could never get the job done. Sean Payton and Drew Brees, the ultimate example of a great quarterback yeah. and coach tandem. Brady and Belichick, another great example. Yep. Shula yeah. and Marino was a great example, and it's mm. it's insane to think that. You know Don Shula. He was. He was. He won that. He won the two Super Bowls, which I think was really important for his legacy. But yeah. the other thing that I think he said that he'll take to his grave is losing that Super Bowl with Dan Marino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is kind of sad to look back on it because I think a lot of people thought going into that game, hey, the Miami Dolphins, they're the it team, and and yeah. people had forgotten all about Joe Montana and Bill Walsh. Yeah, yeah. I mean that—that that is what they were saying. Um, I could tell you because my father tells me all the time that that's what he was saying. And the big one, honestly, that he says is is not the '84 Super Bowl. It's the '85 Super Bowl, where uh, the New England Patriots, Patriots beat the mm-hmm. Miami Dolphins in in the championship, the AFC Championship, and went on to play the 15 and one Chicago Bears, who had only lost to the Miami Dolphins that season. And it wasn't like it was a close game. I mean, Dan Marino shredded that defense. He shredded the greatest defense of all There's time. There's this great clip of a pass that gets tipped 
from Marino, and it's caught. I think it might be by one. It must be by Clayton. Um, and he runs into the end zone, and you see Ditka just losing his mind on the sideline, just infuriated <laughs> that this is happening to his defense, his vaunted defense that he is he is so proud of. Which, for the record, Ditka won that Super Bowl. Can we come on? It was Buddy Ryan's defense. All right, let's let's all be real. Here. <laughs> that was Buddy Ryan's Super Bowl. Dicka had the mustache and the sweater vest, but that was Buddy Ryan. Let's be. I'd real. argue that that was George Halas' team as a whole. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could. That's true. Yeah, you could. But uh, no, that was Buddy's defense. I mean, you know, but you know, apparently Buddy's IQ. Remember, Buddy's IQ was zero. That was uh, that was in the words of Ditka. <laughs> um, I, I I always found it so interesting though with Marino and how he never gets that Super Bowl, and people do acknowledge that he is an all-time great. But you just wonder, oh God, what would have happened if he gets just one more really good head coach? What if Andy Reid ends up in Miami instead of Philadelphia with a couple years yeah. left of Marino? You just never know. Right, right, yeah, and and to to speak on that too, actually, it's funny because you mentioned you were watching the Don Shula or um, the Ricky Williams football life. I was watching a, a Dan Marino one recently, and um and at one point one of the producers asked him, you know, some people say that you're the greatest quarterback to never win the Super Bowl. Like, do you, do you consider that like a a win in a way and he was like immediately he was like no i mean I, how I, could why would he think that that's he's like considering that's something that i wake up every day and i think about the fact that that's a feeling in football that i never got to feel i would not consider that a win i mean i, I think you look at john elway's legacy and just how different his legacy would have been if he never gets those two super bowls because mm-hmm. um, you know I, i'm sure that it's easy to forget now but before the 1997 season, the Broncos were known as pretty much like, oh, they're a good team. John Elway's a great quarterback, but they can't get it done. And that'll be Elway's mm-hmm. legacy. They lost the yeah. previous three. And you know, here's a really interesting thing that I think so many people forget because there were other great AFC teams rising, like the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Oilers through the early 90s. Go back mm-hmm. and look at some of those Broncos records. That was a bad team. And, it's, yeah. and, and I could understand if at the time people were questioning just how good John Elway is because I think the same thing's happening today in Philadelphia when okay they're not going 12 and 4 every year must be the quarterback the quarterback's no good it's clear the quarterback's fault that you know that they're not going 13 and 3 every season yeah yeah it's it's again unfortunately the quarterback comes that position comes with that that responsibility yeah. that I think is not fair uh, I think we've discussed this before and and it goes hand in hand with goaltending and hockey it's just not a fair responsibility they're there are so many other puzzle pieces that need to be in place. There's so many other players that need to do their jobs, do their jobs right, um, that you can't put all that blame onto one onto one person. You just can't. There there are eleven other or ten other players on the field at that time with that person. They need to do their jobs too. So to put all that onto one person is just it's just not fair. But at the same time, the quarterback is the general. They're the guy who's making the decisions at the, at, the, at the key points. They're the ones who are trying to dictate the play and, and produce the production for the offense. So I don't think it's completely warranted um, like to say that, that because a quarterback never won a Super Bowl that it's their fault. But unfortunately, just because of the responsibility that comes with that role, it's just it, it comes with that stigma. I, I completely agree. I think that you know you see that all the time. I think that you're, you can, you'll see it. In L.A. with Jared Goff, you're going to see it in Philadelphia mm-hmm. with Carson Wentz, and and I think I think with those two specifically, I think that Wentz, it's particularly not fair. Well, with Wentz, it's what? it's ridiculous. I, I've put up stats yeah. of just 
how insane it is. Carson Wentz, between the, in the last three years, if you look at Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Wentz has the least amount of passing yards because he's missed the most amount of time. But he's also yeah. accomplished this in the fact that he has 81 touchdowns to 21 interceptions. He's got the highest quarterback rating of the three. He has the lowest interception percentage ratio in the NFL other than one guy named Aaron Rodgers. He's got a high touchdown right. percentage compared to those two. And he is the one that is consistently labeled as the overrated quarterback, the guy that can't win. He's not good enough. You know, the Eagles, oh, they drafted Jalen Hurts because they have to replace Carson Wentz. Meanwhile, you look at this guy, and he's taken talent around him that would never start on almost any other team in the NFL, and he's made them into an, a championship cal- or an NFC East championship caliber team, which makes it all the more frustrating that Philadelphia did not do what I thought it needed to do to upgrade their receiving core because I thought this was a prime season to look at Wentz and be like, look at what he did with nothing. Let's give him mm-hmm. something and see what he does with it then. Because I, if you give Wentz Dak Prescott-type weapons, I think you're looking at a team that is is unbeatable is what I would call them. Here's something I, never want, I know you never want to imagine and you might vomit in your mouth right now, but if you put Carson Wentz on the Dallas Cowboys, they're winning a Super Bowl. This, I would, they're winning, I would say they're winning they're a couple Super Bowls. Yeah. You know, the Cowboys wanted Wentz in that draft. Jerry Jones was beside himself angry, reportedly, when the Eagles had traded up to number two with the intention of grabbing either Goff or Wentz. I remember cheering more that night for the Rams taking Goff, knowing that we were going to get Wentz. Because I, I mean, Wentz <laughs> was the guy that I wanted. Um, right, right. But what I also would say is I think if you put Wentz on just about any team in the NFL right now, he makes them an instant playoff contender. If you put Wentz yeah. on that Miami team, I think that they're I think they're a division champion this year. And yeah, I, I could agree. He's not Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a special type of he's just a special type of special is really what it comes down to. But I think like other like would I take him over to Sean Watson? Yes. Would I take him over yeah. Jared Goff? Yes. Would I take him over Dak Prescott? Yes. The only uh, there are only three quarterbacks in the in football I would not take once over. It's Mahomes, it's Breeze, and it's Wilson. And those three are are Mahomes. You know, I'm going to go ahead and say it now because I think it's going to be the case. Those are three Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Unless unless something happens, like you know, God forbid, somebody gets injured or something like that. Yeah, if they, if they continue to do what they're doing, they, well, Breeze, it's Drew Breeze, solidified. I think is. Yeah, I think Drew Breeze might. I mean, they're they're going to skip the waiting period with him, right? I mean, there's no <laughs> way. Like, there's no way people. I don't understand. I, I thought he got gypped when he wasn't named in the top 10 NH, NFL quarterbacks in, in their top He's 100 so list. I thought that was forgotten. ridiculous. I think it's because he plays yeah. in a dome. I think that it's it, people say it's Sean, Sean Payton's system. But people forget this was a good quarterback in San Diego. And the only reason he oh, got yeah. he, he he was out of a job in San Diego is because they had drafted Phillip Rivers and then the shoulder injury, mm-hmm. which... The shoulder injury. Yeah. I mean, think about it. If that shoulder injury doesn't happen and they just let him go in free agency, the Miami Dolphins' future might look totally different. Oh, yeah, that's something that Dolphin fans are reminded about all the time, um, and it's the main reason why Miami Dolphin fans hate uh, Alabama and Nick Saban. So. <laughs> so so my guess would be, like a couple years ago, when Clemson just annihilated Alabama, that was that was an enjoyable yep. thing for you? I don't watch college football, but I watched that game. Yep. <laughs> Loved it. Loved every second. I, I think that, you know, one year that I'm constantly reminded of when it comes to Eagles history, a lot of people, they, they always talk about, like, the 91 Eagles and how that was supposed to be the year. And right. uh, then Randall Cunningham blows his leg out on, on, like, on the first drive of the game and 
everyone's like, ah, that's that's the season. And it really was the season. They they went 10-6 and six that year, missed the playoffs, but that defense was so good and just so you could not score on them. It just makes you think if they had any semblance of a quarterback, if they, I don't know, if maybe they had a Dan Marino, that's a Super Bowl <laughs> champion team. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's, it's it's a prime example too. Like Marino never had that. Marino never had a, a top ten defense. He didn't have a good running game. He never really had solid receivers. He made his receivers look good. I mean, Mark Clayton and Mark Duper, they would be okay receivers. They would be solid receivers on any other team. But because they were playing with Dan Marino, he looked amazing. Dan Marino got beat up a lot. I mean, he was he was an injured quarterback all the time because he never had a good offensive line and he got beat up all the time. And that's where uh, Jimmy Johnson was was such a, a heartbreak because he knew how to build a team. He built that 2003 Dolphins team that you were talking about before. He built that. He drafted Jason Taylor. He drafted Zach Thomas. He built that defense. Sam Madison, another one. He built a top 10 defense. But unfortunately, he also took away the weapons that Marino had, such as his audible, that made him so good. And it just never fully translated. So it, it 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 sucked. If he was on that Eagles team, he would be a Super Bowl champion. I'm agreeing with you 100. percent Absolutely. I think because uh, he would have a stud defense. I th- I look at you know one other guy that I think we should definitely touch up on. One other guy that never won a Super Bowl, but like he probably should have. I think of I you know sticking with Eagles. I think of Donovan McNabb. I mean 2004, maybe not. Maybe yeah. that Patriots team was truly better than the Eagles. But I look at that 2002 season. They went 12 and four. They they destroyed the Atlanta Falcons, and that was Michael Vick's breakout year in the playoffs. They just had all the makings. Everyone knew whoever won the NFC that year was going to win the Super Bowl because the Oakland Raiders were not better than any any powerhouse in the NFC. And all they yeah. had to do was beat a Tampa Bay team that had never won in the cold before. And I mean, they did. They they got trounced. They got destroyed in that game. And I think that that yeah. game alone. I think it destroyed any chance, looking back on a, of what McNabb might have had a chance to like win a Super Bowl. He's no Dan Marino. I would take Marino, you know, fifty times out of fifty over Donovan McNabb. But right. that's just yeah. another good quarterback that never won a Super Bowl. Tony Romo, a good quarterback yeah. that never won a Super Bowl. Um, it's crazy. How about Dan Fouts? He was another great quarterback that never won a Super yeah. Bowl, and it's unfortunate, especially in that eighties era. Like, I, I didn't even mention yeah. that. Like, that 80s era, there were just some great teams that were just really great at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah, you said it pretty much. I mean, Donovan McNabb, I, it's a shame that, that he's remembered for the vomiting because that's... I don't believe he did it. That's I don't actually believe he threw up in the Super Bowl. I mean, maybe he didn't. I don't know. But but that's, that's unfortunately, when, when you bring him up, that's the first thing that people say. And it, it really kind of gets in the way of... of how good of a quarterback he was. He was a great quarterback. And I've heard some debate of who was a better quarterback between Donovan McNabb and Randall Cunningham. It's Donovan McNabb. There's no ooh, debate. That, ooh, that's Randall a Cunningham, debate. I, never, I, I don't get involved with that one too much. Randall Cunningham, I think he definitely revolutionized the game with, with how he played the quarterback position. But Donovan McNabb just did it better. Let me ask you this. He did it more efficiently. Let me ask you this. Because Buddy Ryan was a defensive-minded head coach, so Randall never really had the kind of coach he needed. Oh, I think I already know what you're going to ask. If, you. if Randall's with Andy Reid, what happens in those early 2000s with the Eagles? 
So you're saying if if Randall Cunningham wasn't playing in the '90s, if he if was if, playing... if you get prime ultimate weapon Randall Cunningham with Andy Reid, and Andy's able to coach the interceptions out of him, what do you think happens? Because you know Andy's going to tell Randall, "Yo, if you got to run, run." I think you're seeing pretty much Michael Vick play with that <laughs> <Yeah>. Eagles team. <laughs> I mean, we saw what Andy Reid could do with Michael. Michael Vick was unbelievable yeah. in 2010. Yeah. It was it was, uh, yeah. it was magic. It was unbelievable. I mean, you obviously the first thing you can think of is, is the miracle of the Meadowlands, right? Because oh. that was that was that's the game. That's the game. It's the game that um, everyone remembers the most. I I, I tell you what, we're actually going to be six thirty now at seven o'clock. Bleeding Green Nation, shout out to my employers. Uh, they're ho- hosting a watch party and they're showing two thousand ten Monday Night Football Philadelphia Eagles versus Washington Redskins. Mm. people remember it as the Monday Night Massacre when Michael Vick yeah. had six total touchdowns and oh they my, won 59-28. Yeah. Destroyed him. I remember that game. I remember that very vividly. That yeah. game is maybe the best Michael Vick game I had ever watched. I mean, from, from the... I mean, it's the first play, people. The first play, he hits Deshaun Jackson for like an 88-yard yeah. touchdown pass. Right out the gate. So, when we <laughs> ask... What does Randall Cunningham look like in an Andy Reid system? What does Michael Vick? We know what Michael Vick looked like. We know what McNabb looked like. Randall Cunningham in that system, he's a taller quarterback. I think he was limber uh, than McNabb. I think Randall Cunningham wins a Super Bowl at least, at least in two thousand two or two thousand three. May again, I think oh four. That was one of the. I think that was the best Patriots team of all time. Yeah, it could have been. And plus, there's also the the. You know that the scandals that are going on with New England, uh, whether you want to believe them or not, the even though gate. they've already come out publicly as true. Yeah, I actually want to touch base with uh, you on that because we're talking. You know, Don Shula. Do you? No, no, no. I, 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 I do kind do. of want to say, Don Shula has passed away, and you know, people will remember him as the winningest head coach of all time. He surpassed George Halas, and it, it. I think one of the most fun debates in football is who's the greatest head coach of all time, and many people will automatically say, "Oh, it's got to be Belichick. It's got to be Lombardi." Right. So right. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my top five, and I want to see how you feel about this. So at number five for okay. me is Bill Parcells, who's one of my favorite coaches ever. Okay. Number four yeah. is Don Shula. Okay. Number three is Vince Lombardi. Number two is Bill Belichick, and number one is Bill Walsh. Okay. And I I mean I have no issue I, with it. And really. I'll say why Bill Walsh is my favorite head coach. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that. I mean, he changed the game. The West Coast offense, it defenses were behind the West Coast offense for years and years and years. And the way that he was able to, he would tell players, when you catch the ball, don't worry about flinching. There's not going to be anyone within 10 yards of you. And it would be true. And there would be no one <laughs> within reach of Dwight Clark, of Jerry Rice, of John Taylor. It, it didn't matter. Yeah, Brett. Yeah. Um, but Don Shula, I mean, longevity. Uh, he's and the one thing that he'll always be able to say, even to his grave, and what every Dolphins fan can say, who's the only coach that coached the perfect season? Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 great as a Dolphin fan to have that um, because for the past twenty or so years we've been awful, generally. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's always great because you you have that, right? You have that in your back pocket at all times. One in fifteen doesn't matter because we were the only team to never lose a game in a season. So one in fifteen is fine. I don't care. I've met some Dolphins. A couple fans. teams have done that. I've met a Dolphins you know? fan in in oh when was it? It was in high school. 
He said that beating the Ravens to avoid 0-16 was, at the time, was the like most the exciting win he had seen as a Dolphins fan at that time. You, Dude, he's not lying. He's not lying. I was watching it with my family. <laughs> my family. My cousins. I remember my cousin, we had like an L-shaped couch, jumped up on the couch and just ran back and forth <laughs> on it. I'll never forget it. Cleo Lemon throws it to Greg Camarillo, two people you will never here. Camarillo, I remember. Again. I don't remember Cleo Lemon. <laughs> Cleo Lemon thrown at the Greg Camarillo, who took it up. Just I, it had to be. I think it was a fifty-yard run after catch, um, touchdown. And I just it was I, I, I freaked out. I remember freaking out. And he's that's another guy I met, Greg Camarillo, another awesome guy. He's actually the reason why my my favorite number is eight. Um, and my second favorite, if I had to choose a second a second number, it would be 83, and that was because of Greg Camarillo, because of that touchdown, and because I met the guy, and he was awesome. You know what? So it was, yeah. I often, I often think about, like, as that touchdown's happening, you've got Dolphins fans that are going crazy because they find they know, oh, my God, we're not going to go 0-16. And you know who else is probably going crazy? Steelers, Browns, and Bengals fans watching the Ravens be the team that loses to the lowly Miami Dolphins that year. <laughs> I mean, the Steelers are like, listen, we know we only beat them three nothing in a Monday night slop fest, but we didn't actually lose to them or anything. Right. And right. Yeah. I remember the Eagles had played the Dolphins that year, and it was a game that the Dolphins actually had a chance to win at one point. They looked like that they mm-hmm. might actually pull it off before the Eagles ultimately yeah. get it. Quarterback for the Eagles, former Dolphin AJ Feely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which he was. He was particularly awful with Miami. I mean, he. It, it, really what's bad. bad about him with Miami? Is you gave up a second rounder for him, so not only was he bad mm-hmm. on a on a practical sense as a player, but he was just yeah. bad as an investment altogether. Because you gave up a second rounder for a guy that pulled a butt muscle just from being slapped on it. Yeah, he. It's like again, like I I I just kind of crapped on Jimmy Johnson for not using his players correctly. But again, we really missed Jimmy Johnson because he knew how to draft, and for the longest time, we were drafting guys like him, guys like Ted Ginn with our number one overall pick and stuff. It, or number for our first round pick, not number one overall, but but just you say, picks like that that are just absolutely so you wouldn't atrocious. say that Ted Ginn's lived up to a first round billing. No, would you? As a whole career, I might. Yeah, I mean he's. he's I had, I would not. Maybe I'm overrating Ted Ginn. I'd like to go back and look at his numbers because I mean he's been around for a long time and been on product on some really productive teams. I could see a second or third round pick, but you but, can't justify the first. No, especially not with with Miami. Maybe I'm biased because we we used the first round pick and he he never really turned into anything more than a great punt returner with us. I mean, he was a solid receiver, but he never really quite had the hands with us. He, was, he had a lot of speed, but that was that was pretty much it. And at the same time, at the same time, who was throwing it to him? So you know, I'll also enough. say this: Ted Ginn's not in the same discussion as a Deshaun Jackson or or a Mike Wallace. I think that those were two receivers yeah. that were. Really great at tracking a deep ball, uh, Ted yes. Ginn. He's I, I do think he's a good receiver. I, I you know I I'd have to go back and look at his numbers. I thought he might be worth a first round pick just based on longevity, but maybe I'm wrong. I I, I think he's a good receiver too. I just I, he's not a number one. I think on any team, he's your classic number two. Yeah, if if that yeah, um, at best. So let me ask you this because we've been talking a lot about football. Why stop the football? I mean, football is the only yeah. thing that we've really had over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. New England. Their quarterback situation isn't exactly set. I would guess that Brian Hoyer would probably be the the uh, starting quarterback if they had to play tomorrow. But my question to you, Cameron, as a Dolphins fan, 
do you feel like when the Dolphins meet the Patriots this year in New England or Miami, this like you can you can sit back and go, let's kick some ass. Like, will you feel that kind of confidence? You know, going into a game against New England this year? No. Um, the biggest reason why is because Belichick. <laughs> um, I think that the whole Belichick Brady dynasty. As much I, I, I think Brady is a great quarterback. I, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback of all time. But I think a lot of their most of their success, more of their success came from Belichick rather than Brady. You're gonna trigger um, a lot I of think, Patriots fans with talk like that. I don't care. That, <laughs> I'm triggered by everything. Um <laughs> my, my my reasoning behind that is that Brady I think is one of I think he's the best decision maker as a quarterback ever. I think he limits his variables better than any other quarterback. He throws the safest passes that he can because they're going to produce every time. And I think that's why he's the best quarterback, arguably the best quarterback of all time. But I think there are certain little things physically that he couldn't do. For example, I, I, if I'm playing in a Super Bowl and I have to choose between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady to win me the game, I'm going to choose Tom Brady. But I think that Aaron Rodgers physically can do different things that Tom Brady can. I think that Aaron Rodgers can make more difficult passes with his accuracy. I would say, from what you just mentioned, and this is a little off topic, I think I would take Aaron Rodgers to w- on a game-winning drive because – no one. That's, that's difference. No one runs a two-minute drill the way Aaron Rodgers does, and that's difference. That's why I said the game, not not the last drive. See, if I said last drive, I, Ooh, I would be with. Okay, him. all right. You know Aaron Rodgers as well. I wasn't thinking about. It. But I'm just saying overall game because I think Tom Brady could manage the game better. Well, what Aaron Brady Rodgers does could. so well, and it's such a cliched thing about him, is that he just he, he literally just takes what the defense gives him. And so yeah. many quarterbacks seem to overlook stuff like that. I've seen Wentz do it. I've seen. You know, Roethlisberger do it. You see Dak do it. You see everyone do it. Mm-hmm. If there is an open receiver two yards down the field and he's not, you know, he's you know not being covered, Brady's going to take it. Wentz, I yeah. have seen, and again, this, you know, you know how much I love Wentz. I've seen situations where Miles Sanders is wide open and Wentz just tries to gun it over the middle to a guy like Nelson Aguilar, or to Alshon Jeffrey, or to Zach Hurts when you have mm-hmm. a check down that's available to you. Yeah, I think a lot of quarterbacks yeah. they don't want to be seen as Charlie Checkdown. But sometimes it's better to be a Charlie Checkdown than third and 15. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the thing. A lot of people criticize Tom Brady for that. And I I get it. I get why some people do because they say, well, he can't be the greatest quarterback if he can't throw the ball more than 15 yards. And yeah, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, that's what produces. I remember when I played football in middle school, which is the only time I ever played football, by the way. Um, and I remember my coach, I'll never forget it, but he said, if you can get four yards on a play, I'll take that every single time. Because four yards every play is a first yes, down every is. drive. So if you produce, you produce. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And that's what Tom Brady does better than any quarterback in the league, hands down. He produces. He gets the offense going, whether it's three points, whether it's seven points. Tom Brady's the best quarterback in the league to get points on the board. I really hope he fails in Tampa Bay. <laughs> I don't think he's going to do that well. I, Alex, I, I, people, for people that are about to jump down my throat and be like, oh, you're just a Brady hater, has nothing to do with Brady. Has everything no. to do with my hatred of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I want the Buccaneers, the Redskins, the Cowboys, the Giants, 
the Steelers to lose every single game they play. Is this because is this because of that that super that that NFC Championship game from what 2002 2003? That was our NFC title game. That, that is <laughs> that is bull. How we lost that game. And you watch, and, and, and for the rest of my life, every time they show great moments above history, I got to watch Rondé Barber pick off Donovan McNabb and run it about a 1,000 yeah. yards. I got to hear how Joe Jarevicius is still running somewhere on the old rubble veteran stadium. And then I got to look at John Gruden's mug. Just his, his I want to, oh, I want to punch it in the face mug. He's got the most punchable face of every any coach in the NFL. Yeah, that, uh, fair enough, fair enough. Um. <laughs> But yeah, that that's true. They, they had they did have a couple characters between Barber, I think, and uh, and Gruden that were. It's a particularly tough pill to swallow to lose to those two. Warren guys. Sapp, um, you know, he's a, he's a great trash talker. Derek Derek I, Brooks, I Derek Sapp. Brooks, one of the greatest linebackers to ever play the game. But like, and then I think about like who the quarterback was. The quarterback was Brad Johnson. Like, who is Brad yeah. Johnson? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Mister Game Manager. Yeah, I, but I, I I don't I don't think. Brady's going to do much in Tampa Bay, and not because I hate Tampa Bay, but because I just don't think Tampa Bay's that great. I don't think they. Um, I still don't think they have a great offensive line. I don't necessarily no. love the running game that they have. The receivers are and good. That that is my prime reason why I, Brady. I don't think will have success in New England. He can't run, man. He's 42, 43 years old. He can't run. He couldn't run before when he was young. He was never a running quarterback. He's going to get hit, you know, and when Brady gets hit, he does not play well. Let me just pull up their schedule, because I think about like who they, firstly, firstly, they are already in a division with you know good pass rushers on Atlanta. You have Cameron Jordan in New Orleans. You've got the Panthers, yeah, yeah. who have, you know, they have great pass rushers as well. Um, so they this season, they play, you know, Saints, Panthers, obviously. They play the Broncos, so Von Miller. you got to deal with Von Miller. The Chargers, they have Melvin, uh, they have Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. Come on, yeah, that's tough. Um, the Bears have Khalil Mack. The Packers, <laughs> uh, I mean, they've got some good linebackers. I know they've got yeah, they've got Darius Smith over there. It's another prime example of, of Green Bay not building a team around Aaron Rodgers, which we discussed. No, before. they just drafted they his replacement. Either they just drafted. Yeah, I, that pissed me off as an Aaron Rodgers fan. But anyway, go uh, Las Vegas, they should have no problems with the Giants. Listen, the Giants are trying to get better when it comes to their defensive line. Yeah, um, yep. The Rams, Aaron Donald. I mean, go, have fun with Aaron yeah. Donald. Yeah, right. That whole defensive line in general, it, it's huge. Kansas City, you know, Frank Clark. Yeah. Come on. And then – Some tough defenses. Th- really yeah. tough defenses. So when I look at that offensive line in Tampa Bay, yeah, they, they drafted to try and protect Brady. Good for them. But draft picks don't necessarily contribute on the line in the first year. There are some draft picks yeah. that are going to struggle. I, I, we, we always see it every year. Brady, if I'm also curious as to see how much of what Brady was allowed to do under Josh McDaniel's offense will he be doing in Tampa Bay? Because Bruce Arians, it's not like he's not egotistical about his own system. He's going to expect Brady to run his stuff, and Brady, for the most part, has never done that. Yeah, and and. I'm not going to go as far as to say that that Brady that Brady is narcissistic or or an egomaniac or anything like that, but he clearly has some level of an ego. If he's going to leave New England and say, "I still got this. I want to prove to the league that I'm good. Couldn't that shake I'm, Nick I, I don't need Bel- Bill Belichick." Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but I I think that's that could cause issues with what you're saying. If if Bruce Arians wants him to do his system, he's going to 
And if, say, Tom Brady doesn't like it, he's going to be like, well, I'm Tom Brady. I don't, I know how to win, you know? Yeah. So who knows? For the Fly Guys podcast, my name is Justin Goodart. This has been Cameron Klein. We are unfortunately out of time. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back. Hopefully, this episode gets posted, firstly, uh, and we won't have technical difficulties again. But thank you so much for listening. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at GoodHardJustin at CameronKlein15. We'll be back as soon as possible. Hopefully, we won't always we want to keep coming back to the virtual uh, way of doing things. We'll be able to do things in person, but... Be safe out there, everyone. Be, you know, smart. And as always, let's go Flyers, despite this being a football episode. Go Flyers, baby.